I've listened to OK Orchestra by AJR for years. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. everybody, welcome back to Spin It, the record ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me is... Sorry, what's your name again? I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. No? Give me a hint. Uh, C, what it starts with? Okay. I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know. I just, I came up with this on the spot. Oh, okay. I was like, well, you know, the band we're doing has like their initials and their name. Maybe he's doing something with that, but it's like, I can't give out my initials. Fear of no. doxing myself. So I was like, I don't know what I don't know what the plan here is. There wasn't a plan. There wasn't a plan. I Oh, okay. I give up. Well, inadvertently you ruined my plan by doing that bit, so uh at least you got something out of it. What was your plan? I was gonna as soon as you said, and here with me as always is Connor, I was gonna go, Merry Christmas <laughs> Cause we're doing another Christmas album. No. No. Christmas in September. Christmas in September, because we're doing a Christmas album, because it has a song Christmas in June. Now, I'll give you, Joan Jett having Little Drummer Boy was pretty inescapable, uh, but that doesn't make it a Christmas album. Christmas in June is not even a Christmas song. It has Christmas in the title, doesn't it? Yes, it, it does. It's about celebrating Christmas in June, is it not? Kind of. We'll get there. And when we get there, the audience will agree with me. I don't know about that. His name is Connor. I don't. I just realized I never said it. Oh, Merry Christmas! Oh. <laughs> All right, great. Hey, did you eat any M&Ms since the last episode? I knew you went away craving them. I plead the fifth. That either means yes, more M&Ms than any one human should, or it means no, and I don't want to engage in this conversation because I'm embarrassed that I didn't eat M&Ms. Which one do you think is more likely? I, with you, honestly don't know. Uh-huh. I like to keep them guessing. Fair enough. Do you know anything about AJR? I do now. Well, good. Great. That's great. I did not. Not even any of the big songs. Did, did you know anything like Week, their big song from a couple albums back? Not that I'm aware of. If I do, I don't realize I know it. Okay. I got familiar with AJR. Suddenly, all, all of a sudden, a bunch of people started recommending them to me. I had a couple different friends at once go, you need to listen to this band. And I did. Way back, uh, the first album I listened to was The Click. Then I listened to OK Orchestra. And then I listened to Neo Theater. You know, I, I kind of made my way through the albums in a weird order. Interesting. Yeah, and honestly, I think Neo Theater is the better album, but I think OK Orchestra makes for a better podcast. I think there are a lot of better singles on it. Interesting. And it's easier to talk about the Neo Theater. I know, so just going into it, keep that in mind. For those of you who haven't heard of AJR before, let me, let me fill you in. AJR is a band of brothers, a family band made up of Adam, Jack, and Ryan Met. They're from New York City. They started making music together from the living room of their little apartment in 2005, and that's actually how they still do it today, right out of the living room. They kind of record their music like we record this podcast, (laughs) just from their living rooms. (laughs) Uh, By 2006, the band was appearing in public places around New York City in a very informal sense. You know, places like Central Park, Washington Square, other spots like that where they would just sit and play. They started out a lot with cover songs, but eventually over time, as most people who play covers do... They branched out into their own music, and they really broke into the public eye with their song, I'm Ready, which is, can you guess what 
I'm ready samples and what inspires it. I would assume SpongeBob. SpongeBob SquarePants, his catchphrase. Oh, I'm of ready. Course, silly me. No, you got it right. The joke was I just said SpongeBob, but you felt the need to say SpongeBob SquarePants. Well, people out there might be thinking of a different SpongeBob, and I wanted to be I wanted to be clear. Yeah, like like the the one with round pants or triangle pants. Heaven forbid you were thinking of octagon pants. SpongeBob octagon pants. He has a <laughs> lot of trouble voting because he looks like a stop sign. <laughs> What they did was they tweeted that song at a bunch of high-profile artists and music industry people until somebody actually picked it up and ran with it. That somebody just so happens to be pop star Sia, by the way, who got the band in touch with her manager. All of a sudden, that song got tons of radio play. They were on talk shows. They were basically professional musicians overnight. Today... I'm Ready has picked up 38 million YouTube views. Personally, it's not my favorite song. However, I don't know, it made this band, so I gotta give it some respect. Fair enough. Over the next couple years, they put out a smattering of EPs, and their debut album, appropriately titled Living Room, came out in 2015, followed up with The Click in 2017. And that album, like I mentioned, features the song Week, which has been the band's biggest single to date. And I guess this means nothing to you, but for those of you listening to the podcast that have heard the song Week, they wrote that entire song in just a couple of hours. Like, no time flat. It's picked up over 500 million Spotify streams and is platinum in five countries. And actually, a fun little podcast spin it tie-in, one of the songs on that album is their first collaboration with Rivers Cuomo of Weezer. Oh. Yeah, they put out a second single in 2021, so now you know. Now I know. You'll have to listen to Week after this podcast episode, so I, I need to know if you know it. Okay, add it to the list. That It's the first thing on the list for things you have to do after this podcast. <laughs> yep, the list will grow. It will. I need some okay. more M&Ms. Right. They put out their third LP, Neo Theater, in 2019 after that. Neo Theater is uh, no slouch of an album. You know, I said I picked this one instead of that one, but that one was really a tough competitor. It gave the band some of their big hits like 100 Bad Days and Birthday Party. But naturally this week, we're talking about OK Orchestra. Came out in 2021, and it's uh, it's a pop album. It's kind of an electronic pop, but not in an aggressively electronic way. I almost want to call it like a, I don't know, it tackles serious themes, but sometimes it gets this little goofy cartoonish sound to it. It's an interesting dynamic. It's a really unique combo that I'm not sure that any other artist has quite hit on the head like they do yet. They pull in a ton of very, very cool production tricks, and we'll, we'll get into some of them. They even incorporate, you know, some elements of show tunes, some big band stuff. They're really all over the board with their musical influences, and that's really cool. It's the band's fourth LP, and since its release, they actually signed on with a major label. They joined Mercury Records back in May of 2022. OK Orchestra was supported by four singles. Bang was actually originally going to be on Neo Theater, but they pushed it back for this album, and they've put out... I mean, a ton of music videos for this record. Six of them for these 13 tracks. Almost half of these songs have music videos. And they're another artist that teased and promoted their album in a really unique way. We've talked about, you know, people doing hotlines in the past or or launching websites or, you know, Radiohead did digital snippets. In March of 2020, AJR launched an online experience called OKO World where you would go open all these different doors that unlocked with different track release dates, with like special fan art, other announcements. They uh, had some arcade games, some merch. It was a really neat, interactive little portal. It was like Monsters, Inc. Yeah, it is a little bit like Monsters, Inc. (laughs) It doesn't exist anymore, but when I was researching, I found that someone had like archived a clone of it, so you could still kind of interact with it a little bit. It was neat. 
OK Orchestra got nominated for the 2022 Billboard Music Awards Top Rock Album, and it debuted at the 10th spot on the Billboard 200. And that's their second top 10 record out of four, which is an awesome ratio. It logged 32,000 album equivalent units, and they recently started out on the OK Orchestra Tour, which I actually have already seen. I saw that back in May. Oh, exciting. Yeah, it was. I gotta say, they put on a heck of a show. Yeah? Yeah. They use a lot of visual effects. You know, one of the coolest things that they did was they had a treadmill on the stage. And so while they would walk on the treadmill, the video screens behind them would play really interesting little scenes. One acted like they were shrunk down. At one point, they all kind of got submerged in this big, you know, tank of water. It was neat. It was a cool experience, and you just kind of got to go check it out for yourself. Or, I guess, look it up online if you don't want to or can't go check it out for yourself. Or just don't check it out. Yeah, that is also a possibility, but why would you want to do that? This is AJR. I've added it to the list. Good, the list is growing. The brothers have been nominated for Favorite Pop Group and Rock Artist AMAs, four Billboard Music Awards. Each of them were actually for this record. They won Top Rock Song for Bang and five iHeartRadio Music Awards, plus some other things along the way. Before they were headlining tours, like the OK Orchestra Tour, AJR was an opener for acts like Lindsey Sterling, Demi Lovato, Andy Grammer, Melanie Martinez, Fifth Harmony, and others. They toured a lot. And according to the band, AJR's fifth LP is already underway. They claim they've already written at least the opening track, and they did put out a single fairly recently called I Won't, and uh, I guess that's going to be on the next album too. I'm actually really excited. I mean, it's, it's great that they've got an opener because opening tracks are always some of AJR's biggest events on each album they do. They like to go hard on the opener. So I noticed. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of what the mixtaper likes to do with his final ramps. You know, he starts small and gets bigger. AJR sometimes starts big. Well, they're just the other side of the coin. Yeah. You know, once you get up to the final ramp, the only thing to do is come back down. And so, you know, that's equally as important. Don't want to crash and burn. No, that's true. Which is maybe why the mixtaper ends on the final ramp, so he doesn't have a chance to crash and burn. Exactly. See, he's mm, smart. Smart. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's call him on out. Summon the mixtaper. You know how to do that. That's right. I'll get my Bob Dylan siren whistle. That sounded like a crash and burn, like, down. You gotta go up. No, no, that's how the siren whistle goes. You heard it. Doesn't mean it summons the mixtaper. Hey, it's me! <laughs> <laughs> I caved. Don't get used to that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna whistle you into the game every time. I, I don't know why I did it this time. I expect a different summon every time, preferably Uh-oh. with tributes of pumpernickel bread burned, you know, in a in a fire like the Greeks did. You want me to make toast? You want me to summon you by making toast? Pumpernickel toast, to be exact. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, got some fun facts. Yeah, you got three brothers here. You could honestly have done one fact about each of the brothers and then a final ramp about the whole band. Maybe I did. Maybe you didn't. Maybe I didn't. Did they have any close encounters? No, 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 no close encounters. But they could have if you want. Oh, no, I don't. (laughs) Do you want to subject yourself to that? I'd rather not. Just give me the facts as they were found or presented, invented, whatever, by you. If you're new to this, we have a game that we do. It's called Factor Spin. The mixtaper makes up lies or tells the truth, and I have to figure out which one he has done. All right, my first one for you. They have a unique clothing line. Cool. What kind of clothes do they sell? See-through. See-through clothes? Yep. Are we talking like, I mean, see-through clothing exists, like ponchos, you know? That's sometimes a see-through article of clothing. But is this like shirts and pants and 
I mean, underwear, the see-through. What, what's the deal? So they have uh, a shirt, a hoodie, which really looks more like a poncho. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> they're calling it a hoodie. A set of boxers and a backpack. Okay. Well, clear backpacks are all the rage now. You know, if you want to go through event security at any arena or event or place, you kind of need a clear bag. So that makes sense. What is that? Maybe what inspired this? I don't know what came first. The chicken or the egg, the backpack or the boxers. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, so then what did inspire this? Why make a clear clothing line? I can't see the logic. I don't know. I mean, they just sell it on their website. I'm just looking at it on their website. Okay, and uh, what what do these clear garments go for? If I want to buy some see-through boxers. The boxers go for $40. Jeez. The shirt goes for 50 The hoodie goes for 70 and the backpack goes for 45 Wow. They have the, what I assume is the OK Orchestra logo on them because it's a smiley face O, or like a smiley face, right? That kind of looks like mm-hmm. an O. Yeah. Then there's a K, and then there's a frowny face for the other O, and then the AJR logo under it. Okay. Well, that sounds pretty legit. What are they made of? Because in my head, the first thing that comes to mind is plastic and i don't want to wear like plastic all day it'd be so hot it wouldn't breathe at all is it like a mesh so the hoodie and the backpack definitely look like plastic that's why i said it looked more like a poncho oh the hoodie that yeah backpack whatever i understand wow yeah the boxers and the shirt yeah there's some sort of either flimsier like thinner plastic or like meshy material it's hard to tell in the photo that's tough um and you don't know why they did this. It's just on their website, and I could buy it right now if I really wanted. I don't, I don't think you really want to. <laughs> See-through clothing. I'm seeing through your lies. I think this is a spin. Oh, okay. I see what you did there. Yeah. Do you? Do you see through what I did there? It's unfortunate that you're a bit blind. Yeah? But not about this. This is a true... <laughs> this is a spin. Sorry, this is a spin. It's a true spin. <laughs> it's a true spin. It's a... It kind of is a true spin. The backpack exists, uh, exactly how I described. Uh-huh. And the rest of it was fake. This is another instance, like on the Coheed episode, where you kept trying to feed me facts about tour merch, where I saw their merch stand, and that wasn't there on tour. It's not inconceivable, of course, that they have made it since then. It's been a couple months, but... Also, how the heck am I supposed to know who we've done that you've seen and who you haven't? I didn't know that when I read up the fact. You said it, and I went, crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's why I don't tell you. I got to give myself a leg up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A leg up in clear plastic pants. <laughs> My next one, they have a cameo in a movie. You're back on your movie facts, huh? First, we had a movie fact where you wrote a scene for Cars 1 with Rascal Flats. Then we had a movie scene where you wrote a scene for Cars 2 with Andrew Ridgely from Wham!, Please tell me that they weren't in a Cars movie. They were not, but it was a Pixar movie. We did have another movie fact, too, with Radiohead uh, being in Harry Potter. We've had a couple of good movie facts. Mm. So they were in a Pixar movie. It's obviously a recent one since they were a band. So something from 2015 onward, maybe? Perhaps. Which Pixar movie is that? Do they operate as a trio of characters? You know, like the little aliens in Toy Story. All three of them go together all the time. Yeah, all three of them are in it. But Right, but like, do they share the similar roles? Are they, like, part of a, a one unit of three characters? I guess. 
you could say that. Not in like a distinct way like the aliens. What Pixar movie are they in? They are in the movie Soul. Soul is what I was thinking, actually, especially when you said they're indistinctly a part of the same category. Are they different little souls in Soul? No. Okay. Uh, who, who are they? What are they? They are three of the people that Joe crashes into in the subway scene. I don't know if I remember the subway scene very well. So Joe's body possessed by the, the Soul 22 or whatever. Uh-huh. You know, they did the body swap thing where Joe ends up in the cat and the Soul 22 ends up in Joe's body, right? Yeah. There's a time where they body swap. Yeah. And they go running through the subway and uh, like 22 trying to run away from Cat Joe and they're running through the subway and then... 22 is not very good at being a living human yet, and so they crash into a bunch of people. And AJR were three of the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they kind of exclaim, and one of them gets knocked down to the ground. Do they say anything distinct? Uh, can you like recognize their voices or tell it's them? Um, I guess if you're big AJR fans, probably because they all are gonna go, "Hey, watch it!" and yada yada yada. So and that's it. I guess if you recognize their voices. Did Disney reach out to them about it? Like get in touch and say, hey, we want you to be cameos because you're a cool band? Or did they go, hey, we're a cool band. We want to be in a movie. <laughs> I actually don't know who approached who, but the way it worked out was because they their song is, one of their songs is used in the teaser trailer. Oh, okay. Which song is that? Overture from The Click. Is that a song? The Click. Yeah, The Click is the album. And much like this album, it does have its own overture. Yeah, it's the overture from the click using the okay okay i can see it i have i don't remember seeing the teaser trailers for soul but it probably happened before i ever listened to the click and he's a musician the click is about on a surface level the click references metronomes a lot okay okay i can see it i can see it Mm -hmm. i think i'm gonna say this is a fact i never know when you ramp into your answer that way where you're like drawing out your words a little bit i'm always like is he gonna pull the double switch and say i I can see it but i'm gonna say spin no i like to keep you guessing sometimes i can predict but not always sometimes i try and blindside you on purpose just to see how you'll react fair enough but you're going fact or spin what'd you say i don't remember don't (laughs) trick me i'm going fact this seems true oh man all right the trick didn't work or did it? Because this is a spin! Oh, wow. <laughs> That's sad. The song's used in the teaser trailer. No cameos. That was what sold me, is I said, that song has to be... You You picked the perfect song to be in the teaser trailer if you had made that up. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> no, what I'm saying. I didn't make it up. So that part was true, and that's the part that set the hook and in me, and that's what made me go fact. Good, 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 good. No movies for AJR. Supposed fact, number three, round three, whatever we're calling it. I'm never consistent with my terminology. No, you're not. They got lost playing paintball. Not our first artist to get lost. Maybe our first artist to play paintball, though. Maybe. Maybe. So where were they playing paintball? At Paintball Island. What? The most dangerous game is what you're describing. (laughs) So they go to an island and they just play paintball everywhere. Where's Paintball Island at? It's located on the island Baldwin Rocks. I think it's how it's pronounced. B-A-W-D-E-N. Baldwin Rocks uh, in the UK. Okay. And so what were they? Tourists visiting the area and said, we got to stop at the world famous Paintball Island. Yeah, pretty much. They they were in the UK for a tour and they're like, what are we going to do? We got some downtime. And they were like, let's go play paintball on an island. Sure. Now, how big is this island that they got lost on it? Uh, it's 18.44 kilometers squared. So that's what, about a little over seven square miles? 
That's huge. And the whole island yeah, is dedicated to... Not all to... of it. No, not... Okay. So that's what I said. It's called uh, Paintball Island, which is a piece of... It's the main thing on the island, but the arena doesn't take up the whole island. Okay. What happened? Did they get separated? Did they get stuck somewhere? How lost are we talking? Because I'm sure that they wouldn't be the first or only ones to do that. So this was in the month of October, for which... Paintball Island does their annual gel blaster zombie hunt. What? Yeah. So zombies are on the island, and you have to hunt the zombies. Yeah. And they were hiding from zombies, I guess? Yeah, they um were running around, running from the zombies, trying to hide, yada yada, and somehow ended up out of bounds. Oh, that's not good. They they went out of bounds on purpose, according to Ryan. They had like these glowing like light sticks that were marking the uh the edge of the map, but they were pinned down, and so they thought they'd skirt around the markers. But they went a little deep in, and you know it's trees and it's dark. Sure, they couldn't figure out how to get back in bounds. Hmm. I mean, I guess if you're really pinned down and desperate, but also seems illegal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They totally cheated. Well, yeah. And I would think, I would think that you would maybe have some measures in place like a fence or a gate, something as a facility to stop people from doing that. It's a really cool course. It looks like they have a video of it. And yeah, it's very open. Only a couple small structures and things like that. It's, it's very open, just trees. And there's a, what looks like a grassy area somewhere. Mm-hmm. Where they just show a horde of zombies being mowed down by players. So after going to all this trouble, did they win? I don't know. They didn't, they didn't say. Oh, but they did make it back. Well, I assume. I assume they're not still out there <laughs> wandering. <laughs> Legend has it that if you go to Zombie Island, you'll hear the, the cries of AJR who never return. Yeah. They're out, you can hear the paintball guns out in the wilderness. Bang, bang, bang. Okay, so here's where I'm at. Tell me where you're at. You sound like you don't believe me. Well, you lost me right at the start because I said, this sounds like a thing you just know about and wanted to talk about because it sounds cool. That is a classic me move. It is, and I think the I'm concerned because a reason you might know about it is because you were looking at AJR facts. That's, that's, the, that's the chance you gotta take. I think it's the spin. Go with spin. I've kind of been out on this one the whole way, and I'm gonna roll the dice on spin. You know, trust your gut, right? You say when you don't trust your gut, things go bad. Well, that's what happened with Tim McGraw. Last week, I trusted my gut, and it worked. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you're gonna stick with it. Trust your gut. Yep. All right. Well, this one is a spin. Yes! Okay. Okay, good old gut, you've never let me down, except when I go stand on the scale at a doctor's office and he says, you can do better. <laughs> so uh, that was just a ma- completely made up lie. I was just like, paintballing sounds like something they would do. And so I was like, what's cool paintballing things? And I did, I had the idea of the, you mentioned the da- most dangerous game and that's where my brain went. I was like, paintball <laughs> on an island. And so I looked it up and there is this uh, place called Jungle Island that does paintball and it's in the UK, it looks like maybe. No, this is in California. I lied. Wow, they couldn't have been farther away. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, It's in California, and I'm not even 100% certain it's on an island. I think they just are called that. Mm. And they're the ones that have the gel blaster zombie hunt, so that's a real thing. Um, But I made up all the stuff about what the thing looks like. I have no idea. Okay. Baldwin Rocks isn't even... Like, the island I said it was. I li- looked up a list of uh, islands in, in the United Kingdom. I saw yep. that one. I was like, that one sounds like I wouldn't make it up. And then you asked how big it was, and I hovered over the hyperlink for it on Wikipedia. And it goes 80 feet. And I was like, crap. <laughs> 80 feet. That's so little. I go, uh-oh. So I had to pivot to it. I had to just make up a number. Oh. 
Maybe that's the private island we'll buy. We talked about getting a Tim McGraw-style yeah. private island. Maybe we can afford an 80-foot island. <laughs> <laughs> Bonin Rocks, also now known as Cal and a Calf, or Man and His Man, are a pair of small islands. Wow. <laughs> the more you know. Yep. That's a, that's a pretty great island. Well, now you're on the spot because... I can tie up the week if I miss it, but I could get that lead back if I if I get the win here. How dastardly should I be? Ma- full dastard. Maximum dastard, please. Maximum dastard. Well, I don't know. What am I asking for? I don't know. <laughs> I just, you know, I might be less forthcoming with information on this last one. Come forth. Yes. Final ramp time. Final ramp. Uh, really, that one should have been the final ramp. This oh. one's not as rampy, I feel like. Well, we're, we're winding down so that you don't crash and burn. Fair enough. Ryan has synesthesia. Oh, this is a fun fact. I'm familiar a little bit with synesthesia and some other types of it. Someone I know from college has synesthesia. So why don't you start by telling the audience about it? Yeah, synesthesia is when you hear music and it causes you to see shapes or colors. Well, not just that. I mean, it, it takes other forms too, right? Like the, the friend that I have, he sees every letter as a different color. So every time he right, sees yeah. a letter, it's a distinct color. It, from what I've read, uh, yeah, it's typically associating color or shapes with auditory sounds. Um, and yeah. music seems to be a pretty prevalent form of it. But as you said, there are people who can do it from just hear, seeing letters or hearing words. Uh, or like a name. Names are also super popular. That like certain names are certain colors. Like when I say Connor, like if you had synesthesia, you might be like, oh, I, the color green showed. Like you visualize my name as green. Right. But then another name you do is like blue. It, essentially, it's like a convergence point between two unrelated senses that get related. Yeah. Whether that's you see something and it makes you taste or you smell something and when you hear a sound, you know, something like that. So what's Ryan's specific circumstance his is the is music related when he hears music he sees colors and shapes actually okay i don't know did you find any details about what sounds maybe or what colors or shapes like how things are correlated for him there's a couple of interviews out there that he talks about it but yeah. i didn't watch them so oh you just know that he <laughs> talks about it in them okay yeah fair enough i am inclined to believe this fact yeah i think it a lot of their interesting production tricks and stuff could maybe be attributed to something like that. To hear a sound and to be able to visualize it in a unique way might enable you to fit it into your existing song a little smoother, you know, because you can see how the colors line up. Mm-hmm. Also, it plays well with their album artwork, which is often whimsical and colorful, especially the click and half of OK Orchestra's album cover that we'll get to in a minute. I... I'm pretty confident in saying this is a fact. Yeah, I'm inclined to believe this. All right, locking it in? Locking it in for the lead on the season <laughs> once again. Remember when you asked me, uh, or when I asked how big a dastard I should be? Uh-huh. And you said full dastard? I don't, if you're going to tell me this is a technicality, why I'm wrong, you should not go full dastard. I mean, there was, th- there was three brothers for me to pick from. Yeah. I went with Ryan. You did. One of them has this condition. Yeah. And it was... Tell me. Say it. Insert uh, super dramatic dun, 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 dun music right now. Ryan! Yes! <laughs> this is a true fact. Okay. I really did think about just changing which of the brothers this was. You don't know how much I wanted to do that and make this a spin. 
that's devious. I'm glad you didn't. I yeah. I, I mean, I'm glad. I'm honestly glad I didn't either. I felt like that would have been cheapening the spirit of the game. It would have. It would have. But I really thought about it because I was like, he's definitely gonna believe this one. Oh yeah, I already knew this. Oh come on. <laughs> Yeah, I knew it to the degree where if you had said it was a different brother, I might still have gotten it right and said spin. Wow. Uh-huh, I know. So you knew basically two of these. No, I didn't know the clothing one for sure. Yeah, you basically did, though, because you saw one thing, you saw all of their merch when you went and saw them in concert, which I didn't know about. Well, that's... Man, I hate it when that happens. Check my Instagram. You'd see. I don't have an Instagram. I'm the mixtaper. Oh, you're right. Sorry, Connor might have known but didn't tell you. Yeah, well, yeah, because he's on your side. Exactly. Always. I'm so proud that I have such a supportive co-host. Yeah, I wish I had a support group like that. You've got a gopher. I do, and the gopher's great. Absolutely. I'm so glad I recovered that lead after we you won last week, and so I got it back. It's so disappointing, because you got it back just by already knowing. It's not like you earned it. Whoa. Okay, you're right, but still. This is the wrong way to be winning, James. You can do better. I can't. You're you're the one in charge of getting the facts. You could have fessed up that you knew it, and I could have pivoted, but you didn't. You kept it to yourself so that you would be in the lead. No, who's I kept, cheapening the game now? No, I kept it to myself so that the audience could learn more about that really cool fact. I'll let it slide this time. Okay, just bring your A game. But just know, I'm coming with a vengeance. Next episode, okay? Vengeance Not necessarily in- next episode. Oh dear. But an episode. Vengeance incoming. I'll be uh, it's on my radar. Until then. Yeah. Should I be worried? Probably a little bit. Yeah, he, he didn't seem too happy. No, I guess not. But is he ever? He had, like, smoke coming out of his ears. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, wow. He must be really mad. Yeah. Or he was trying to think. Could be. Well, let's talk about this album cover. I kind of mentioned it a little bit in that last synesthesia fact. But the cover of OK Orchestra features little figurines little figures of the brothers kind of caught in between the colorful autumn forest with instruments wrapped all around the trees again very reminiscent of the album cover for the click and then on the other side there's a darker more grayscale forest and kind of also like the mixtaper talked about with their little okay orchestra logo that's a happy face and a sad face on either side this is kind of like that happy on one side sad on the other and we're kind of caught somewhere in the middle I like it. It looks cool. It does look cool. And these are our thoughts on OK Orchestra. (laughs) Yeah, let's jump right in. Uh, That thing that you just referenced is the very first track, OK Overture, which is, as the title suggests, an overture for the entire album. An overture for the state of Oklahoma. Well, it could, I guess, maybe. Oh, oh. If you misinterpreted it, OK could be, yeah, an Oklahoma overture, but it's not quite like that. Actually, this is a thing that AJR does a lot. They like to start their albums off with little overtures, little flybys of all the stuff that's coming up on the rest of the album. They've done it at least three times in the span of four albums. Gosh, I wish I could have listened to it more than once. Because, like, I like, I was listening to it, and I'm like, I'm sure there's, like, little pieces of melodies and cool little, like, references to the rest of the songs on this album. And I'm not going to get any of them, and I'm not going to remember them by the time we get to the songs. I picked up on a couple of them. Yeah, some of them were really prominent. Well, I picked up on a couple of them just off of the lyrics, right? Yes, that's true. You know, like in verse one, let me play my violin for you, bang, bang, bang. We have the song bang and the song world's smallest violin. I'm like, I'm sure those are references. Yeah, or Humpty Dumpty. I I was able to pick up on some of the uh, lyrical ones, but I'm sure there was also instrumental 
melody ones as well that I just didn't get. A lot, yes. And actually, that's one thing, though, is that OK Orchestra has an overture that actually takes a lot of music not from the rest of the album. You know, a lot of the other, like the click and the other overtures that they do are mostly built from other music. This overture, I mean, is in a lot of spots, don't get me wrong. So really much of an overture if you don't take it from it? <laughs> uh, there's, there's still a lot that's taken from it. Is it not just another song? That's true. <laughs> that's why it's only an okay overture. Because It could have been great. It could have been great, but they didn't sample enough. Yeah. One of the things that they do on this overture that's really unique is they lay out their production process in kind of a small dose at the very beginning where they turn... These are our drums. Yeah, they turn the drums into the voice and the melody and vice versa. They kind of spin it all around. This is our melody. Yeah, they call this technique instromorphing, which is a fan-made term that they decided was too good not to use. Fair enough. According to Adam, he says theater has always been a part of what we do, and we're so inspired by the storytelling aspect of theater. And that's why they take this very theatrical technique, the overture, and incorporate it. I wondered if you actually would have... Maybe bent the rules a little bit and listen to the overture one more time when the album was done. Hey, there's one thing I know how to do. It's respect the rules that we have set for this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's, you know, you've never made that a gray area ever, even once. Wait, what? What? When? I'm just thinking of all the top three. The whole reason the top three exists is because you didn't like the structure of the initial. I made it a rule. I simply make rules for what I need. I don't break already existing rules to get my way. I simply change or create new rules. Fair enough. So the overture. Interesting intro to this album. And then we move straight into Bummerland. Now listen closely as we transition into Bummerland. Yes. I said the other two, I was really like, I was sitting here going, man, I need to say the third one or I'm never, I'm not going to be able to move past it. And so. I'm glad you did that so we can move past it. All right, let's take it back. Uh, Okay, Orc. (laughs) No. No. Bummerland though. That one, fun song. Yeah, it's a a weirdly fun song being about Bummerland hitting my all-time low. I'll be honest though. Not the greatest fan of uh, the line, Bummerland, here I am, and there ain't no funner land. Not the biggest fan of funner land. Okay, <laughs> true, fair point. I like the normal chorus, Bummerland, here I am, better nix my summer plans. Like, that's good. Yeah. I like that, but ain't, ain't no funner land? Mm, we can do better. We can do better, AJR. So the guy that loves it when they change choruses hated it when they changed this chorus. Oh, I'm all for changing it just to something good. Something funner. Dang it. (laughs) So this song, actually the first time they ever performed it, anyone ever heard it, was at the band's special drive-in concerts during the COVID pandemic in August of 2020. Yeah. Afterwards, they put it out as OK Orchestra's second single, and it focuses a lot on these themes of loneliness and isolation that are actually really prominently like inspired by COVID, but they didn't want to dwell on that with this song. So they kind of pivot to this idea of getting out of Bummerland. The song kind of becomes Mm -hmm. about the rise after Rock Bottom. And this is a thing that AJR does frequently, right? They started off right here. They take these big, poignant, sweeping themes, and then they really, really, like, micro-focus in on tiny little stories and metaphors. And they convey all these ideas through sometimes silly, sometimes little, you know, narrative stories. This is the first of several times that happens throughout the album. In this case, it's buying a round of drinks. It's getting haircuts over and over again. That one's actually really sad. Yeah, it is sad. I know, but it's... Like that one, to, for all of us who went through everything going on with COVID, you know, and like that was one of the big things that like, couldn't get your hair cut because that would mean you'd have to go outside and it wasn't safe to be that close to the hairdressers, yada, yada, or the barbers, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, 
know, that was like the first one of the first things as things started to open back up and finally you could go get your haircut. Everybody was finally able to go get their haircut. And so this concept of I didn't need it, but uh, this month I got my haircut seven times just so I could go be social with somebody and not be stuck inside. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like it's like it's like, wow. That uh, it'll be curious to see if like I could imagine a podcast twenty to thirty years to now that come across this album going, Oh, that's kinda silly, that's buffoonish. But like yeah, you're right. For everybody who existed during this time, it, it hits so much deeper. Yeah, they won't contextualize it the same way. Yeah. I, it is interesting, yeah, because it takes on that extra little bit of weight. I, I kind of like it. Especially, I mean, the same thing about buying drinks. You couldn't go to bars with your friends. Mm-hmm. Even though in this case it talks about the bank account and not having the money to do it. There's a, there's a lot of people who probably bought plenty of alcohol during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but not in a bar with their friends. Yeah, that's true. I think this song is such an earworm chorus. And actually, another little trivia tidbit, they performed this song at Joe Biden's inaugural concert in 2021. Oh. Yeah, Bummerland. Interesting. It is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of weird for the occasion. You ever have those nights that you just can't shut off your brain? You know, you're awake forever and your brain is just running with things. Not in a while. Not in a while? Well, that's good. I see what you're doing here. <clears throat> uh, yeah, you know, it's a, th- it's a three o'clock thing. Right. <laughs> a three o'clock thing. That... That feeling, yeah, is exactly what the next track, 3 O'Clock Things, is all about. According to AJR, this is kind of their most political song to date, speaking of performing for the presidential inauguration. That political edge manifests itself in the form of this kind of big band, anti-racist anthem. It's quite a combo. What'd you think of 3 O'Clock Things? I quite like the song. I think it has a funky beat. It sure does. Earwormy. I like the kind of faster-paced, hip-hop-y vibes got going on, you know. Ba-da-ba. That's just a fun rhythm. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the lyrics are actually like really good, I think, on this one. They they do this thing where each verse kind of tells... It's a different three o'clock thing. Yeah, its own little story. Um, You know, the first one's all about regretting going to college, mm-hmm. more or less. The second one, more about like social interactions with people. Yeah. And then the third one's where it gets kind of political. Yes. Voting for someone to vote for someone to vote for someone. It's kind of, you know, a whole chain of events. I like that... that chorus of vocals they do in the background that almost sounds like well again big bandy 1940s 50s really kind of gives this song a, a vintage glow even though there's very much about it that is not vintage at all and quite on the cutting edge of electronic pop music yeah and i mean you know me i'm a big fan of a nice uh brass section absolutely i like that they pull the reverse of what a lot of songs do yeah the verses are these big moments you know when he they like lead into the verse with the big but then they really mellow it down for the chorus you're right Usually it's the opposite usually the verses are more mellowed down and they really ramp up into a chorus whether it's slow like big sweeping stuff or fast-paced loud uh but they do the opposite they, they, they just kind of chill out for the chorus yeah i like that what did you think of track number four, My Play? I'll be honest. I was a little shocked. A little shocked? Uh-huh. What was so shocking? Well, I listened to the song. You did, yeah. And then I looked over at Spotify and saw how many plays it had, and the number was insultingly low. It was low? Yeah. Well, which number were you? What was your play? Somewhere in the 14 millions. <laughs> okay. Insultingly low. It is insultingly low. This song deserves to be way higher than that. It sure does. It's a great song. It is but it's a, it's also a heavier song. It's not a song that I'm yeah. coming back to when I'm really, like, on top of the world. This is a three o'clock th- song. This is one of those three o'clock things. You listen to this song at 3 a.m. Yes, true. <laughs> this is a three o'clock thing. This song, 
it kind of returns us to the trope of telling all these innocent, simple stories to dig deep at the personal topics. This one illustrates a divorce through the eyes of a child who's trying to perform a play, but he doesn't want to do it at both parents' houses, right? Because it's not the same then. And beyond divorce, they actually dig deeper into themes of love, relationships, and growing up, and just people changing over time. All in this simple little metaphor. It's kind of remarkable. And what's interesting about it is that there are so many levels to it, right? Yeah. Of this performative behavior. Because he acts in his play, his parents were happy acting happy when they were together he has to act happy in spite of all the sad circumstances around him and then he has to try and cover up those feelings and put on a happy face for each parent it's it's a lot of layers to this little play i love it yeah there's just something about like like you said it's Mm multi-layered i mean i mean let's just let's just dissect the story just for a moment dissect away you know he starts with a flashback well you don't realize it's a flashback at first he just says talking about putting on a play in the old house right well in a cape jumping on the couch implies that he is younger than his current age well, right, but he could just be telling a story from that like that time period, right? The whole True. story could be from that time period. But you immediately, in verse 2, jump back to the present time of having seen the old house lately. Yeah. wonder if they found my spaceship, yada, yada, yada. So now we're back in the actual time period that this song is going to take place in. And then he starts telling the story about how it's almost like he's talking to his parents about, like, did you outgrow one another or did the love die? Because that majorly changes my outlook on life. Right? That's a line that hits with a baseball bat. Yeah. And then for the chorus, you jump back to the past for the I just really, really want to show you my play stuff. And then you kind of get that back and forth from then on out. Well, and I think that really emphasizes the fact that he carries these childhood burdens with him into adulthood. Like that hurt, that scar is still kind of there. Like I want to show you my play even now. It's just not the same. Yeah, it's a nice little back and forth. It really is. Deserves more plays. It does. They actually put out a video on Twitter talking about how they made the sounds for this song. Wah, wah, wah. Right. Ryan uh, is the one doing the video, and he says that they were trying to muddy up the production into, quote, a big panicky headache. But he said they didn't want to overpower the lyrics, so they had to strike this really careful balance with that little guitar, wah, keyboard sound, and just kind of a... I don't know, just a softer touch to the music. Even though it's still very much present, it's it's a little fuzzier. You know what I mean? A little fluffy and floaty. Yeah, they do. It is. It's, they really ramp up into the chorus. You know, the, I just really, 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 really want to. Sh- and you know, each one of those really the intensity builds a little bit. But yet they do. They put that interesting um, effect on it that keeps it more. I guess give it like that flashback. Like you know how like a flashback will sometimes be like black and white or fuzzy. Yeah, it like gives it that vibe to the song. It's like it gets all fuzzy. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it a lot too. And we stay in that kind of flashback mindset as we move into the next song, Joe. This song is kind of a callback to Ryan's childhood going to school with this character named Joe, who may or may not actually be real. We don't we don't know. Joe is a god. <laughs> Joe, yeah, is is the man, I guess. The song is about trying to impress and live up to the expectations of somebody that you admire but you just can't seem to please. A lot of people speculated initially that it was about a former bully but the band has confirmed that that's not true. It's just, you know, somebody he describes as godlike who has all these unique talents that are beyond normal people, and he does everything that he can to impress and imitate Joe 
I mean, he even steals his jokes. Yeah. They change their name. They try to make it big, you know, show off all the achievements, and all they get is the status like. I was a little sad about something. What were you sad about? They kind of set up this fun little mechanic at the beginning of the song, but they didn't hold it past the first chorus. How do you mean? Uh, He starts off with the intro, I believed in God back in eighth grade. Right, and then the yeah. next verse is I believed in God back in '09. So I thought we were gonna hit this thing where like every verse was gonna, or at some point in the verse, he was always gonna say I believed in God back in, and like give us the time period that that verse was gonna take place in, and kind of relate it back to Joe. Yeah, but after the first chorus, he they just never returned to that. You're right, they didn't. I was just a little sad about that because it's not that like the song doesn't work the way it is. It's just when I off of the first listen, like that was the ex- that was kind of where my brain went with. I was like, okay, this is like gonna be the recurring verse structure the trope yeah and it, it didn't end up being that one it's a little let down by it because i think they could have done some fun things with it if i had to bet i would almost guarantee they probably tried that and and i would imagine they couldn't make it work yeah i don't know i don't know either i don't know if this is like widely widely relatable or maybe relatable to a specific like subset of people i don't know i i can understand what's being said but i don't know if i ever had anybody like that you know that i just um... tried to impress all the way through i think i don't know i don't know if like there was ever one singular person that like i wanted to impress or wanted to like me or live up to but you definitely had those people growing up that like you were like man when i'm their age i'm gonna be like them or when i'm doing that i'm gonna be just like them oh that's true and sometimes you make it there and then you wonder i wonder what they would think in that moment i'm i'm i don't know if that ever has stayed with me but I can think of moments where I'm like, I, I want that person to come back and see me do that and think I did a good job sort of sort of mentality. No, yeah, I get that a lot. And I think it's so interesting to put this song right after my play, not only because we're still in a childhood flashback, but also because it's still that air of performance of, of trying to be the best that I can or put on a good show so that people are impressed and have a you know a good time and don't know that I've been struggling. Maybe these are all taking place on a performance. Maybe it's a 3 a.m. play at Bummerland. <laughs> Maybe. And that's what the overture is. See, it's all about theater. The overture. It's the opening. Yeah. There we go. We nailed it. If you're liking that thread of ideas, you need to listen to Neo Theater. It's literally about being in a theater and having to... It's... Neo Theater's the better album. The irony of the bridge is great, too. Just to repeat, I don't ever think of you when this whole song is just full of Joe. I like it. Now, the next song on the album, Adventure Is Out There, was another one that was initially meant to be on Neo Theater, but that album filled up. It had a a different alternate title, too. Any guesses what the alternate title for Adventure Is Out There could have been? Up. No, good good thought. <laughs> the alternate title was going to be Socks. What? And and they changed it to Adventure is Out There. Oh, just because I keep losing my socks. Right? Yeah, because the whole song is about socks. We'll get there. Yeah, this is a better title. But you're right. The title comes from Pixar's Up. Oh, does it actually come from that? Yeah, that's where they take the title. I just thought maybe that was a coincidence. <laughs> no, because the villain, the villain in Up goes, Adventure is Out There. I guess if you yeah. haven't seen Up, you don't know that he's the villain until one of the characters. Spoilers! Up, sorry. It's been when when did that come out? Two thousand five, six, seven. So I really like that reference to Up, but what I don't love is the sock metaphor. I think really this one just doesn't get it done for me. This may be my least favorite of AJR's references and metaphors. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. So it's kind of it's kind of out of left field for me. Interesting. This just feels like an an example of when they try and force you into a metaphor that's not firing on all cylinders. The occasion is rare. You know, usually they hit the nail on the head. For example, my play. But sometimes 
I don't know. I think it's an unpopular opinion on this one. I, I don't know. Maybe I just lack the imagination to send my socks on adventures. Oh, no, you're probably good. This has the third least number of plays on Spotify. Well, there you go. If you aren't sure what we're talking about with socks, the general premise of the song is they keep losing socks. They keep leaving from the laundry. And I, I mean, that's a thing we've all done. You know, everybody's missing a sock or two somewhere. And so he sends them in his mind on this journey. Maybe they're in the sea. Maybe they're off at some other country. Maybe they're at his girl's house. You know, someplace. Well, it sounds like maybe they're at his ex-girl's house where he can't go. And he just wants to be out on adventures, following his socks around the world. He's jealous of his missing sock because it could be anywhere. I actually, I, I think I like this one. This was not my least favorite on the album. Okay, that's good. It's a middle track, though, and maybe even a lower middle. Okay. For me, I don't mind the sock metaphor itself. I think it's a fun little thread because, I mean, I feel like a pretty common theme. You go out on an adventure, you go on vacation somewhere and somehow misplace something and leave it in the hotel room. I don't Probably know. most likely a sock. Yeah. I'm all for that. I really like the vibe this song starts with. The instrumental melody is just very, as Genius Lyrics describes it, Lazy Day vibe. Well, kind of. Part of it is that drum. It's the drum, but then that sliding guitar sound. I could see the music video for this song being them, like, on a lazy river, but with their instruments. Like, playing the instruments while riding down a lazy river, you know? <laughs> like, like, it's got yeah. that vibe to it. And I really like the hook on the chorus. Holy moly, it's a real do-nothing day. Like, that's really catchy. Yeah, it but is. But what, what I don't like is the second half of this song. The whole song? Oh, you, you don't like the second half? Yeah. I was going to say the second half almost redeems the sock metaphor for me. No. Mm-mm. Well, well the me- I've never had a problem with the metaphor, though. And I still don't. I have a problem with the musicality. So we go through the first verse, which is very relaxed. And then you get the chorus, which has got that fun hook to it. And you can feel it has the potential to really blast if they wanted to. They could crank it up to an 11 and make it really powerful, right? They could. And I and again, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, that's what they're going to do with like the next one. So we're, they back us back down for verse two. I'm like, great. They're going to build us up to another to the big chorus hit at the end of the song. But they don't. They never go big with it. Oh, there's no real big chorus. It caps. The choruses have a cap. It stays at that intensity of the first one. That is like... The, the melody you chose, the instrumentals you chose, the way you sing it, it all has, it, it's all coming there. It's like the perfect puzzle pieces all coming together to just really hit you with a powerful chorus. And they never do. And it made the song overstay its welcome for me. It wow. didn't have enough motion. By the end of it, I was like, okay, I'm tired of this. Do something different. And they just never did. I see. Well, I guess that's a, a pretty good point that I actually agree with. Uh, but in terms of the metaphor and the sock thing, in this third verse, he buys new socks and he says, I won't lose them. Someday I'll leave and they'll lose me because I'll be the one on the adventure while my socks are stuck at home. It, it kind of flips the metaphor on its head. That's a, that's really good. It's really good. And that almost brings it back. And I think it fits really well with like the kind of subtle COVID lyrics going on here back with like Bummerland and stuff like that. Like this idea of I want to go out on an adventure, but I'm stuck at home. My socks, on the other hand, are not stuck at home. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Bang. Bang, Track bang, bang. Seven. Yeah. This was the first huge hit from the album. It's been certified platinum. It's also earned the band placements in commercials and Black Friday ads. They even recreated the entire song using nothing but soda stream products and bottles to raise awareness about reducing waste. That's awesome. It is really something. It's a lot of work for a commercial. Bang, bang, bang. There, take 51 seconds and observe as they play bang with soda stream. 
I like that. That was awesome. It is. It's a lot of work for a little 50-second commercial. When they first announced Bang, they put out a 15-second audio clip in reverse. Oh. Yeah, interesting tactic. Gnob. <laughs> like, like Bang backwards? You say Gnob? Yeah, Gnob. Okay, yeah. The hook for this song... Uh, like you've mentioned, is let's go out with a bang. And it feels a little ironic because the verses are all about trying to do adult things like moving and changing your eating habits and nothing's working. Shooting guns. Well, no. Cars backfiring. No, those are just other things that go bang. Oh. (laughs) They talk about doing taxes and forgetting passwords and generally just thinking it's time to grow. Bang, bang, bang. Let's go out of youth with a bang and and put quinoa in our fridge and, and grow up. I guess. What a fun use of the word quinoa. I know. I did not expect that to pop up in the song. It was, it was, a, it was a tasteful a tasteful quinoa. Yeah, it might be the most tasteful and best used quinoa ever. Ooh. Oh, are we spinning awarding it? The most tasteful quinoa award? <laughs> the tastiest quinoa. Sure. <laughs> actually, I've had good quinoa, but that's besides the point. From AJR? Was it in their fridge? No, actually. Fun fact, the guy who interjects the little here we go and metronome parts is actually one of the people who is an announcer on the new york city subway oh yeah who knew i don't know what it is about the chorus beat but it's very familiar to me like like there's another song it reminds me of that sort of off beat versus on the beat fighting back and forth the bum 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 going on yes i don't know what it is i don't either but it's there i like it too bang is one of the better songs on the album and one of my favorites up next, though, is apparently one of people's least favorites, according to the Spotify numbers. Yeah. And that is The Trick. It's my least favorite, too, so. Oh, okay. The Trick is lying. This is one trick that the mixtaper has up his sleeve. It's true. Yeah. More specifically, it's about hiding all the negative things about yourself and projecting some kind of, like, false, better reality of yourself to other people. And it's kind of like a magic trick in that people don't see who you really are. You kind of conceal behind that. I really like the concept of the song. It's not the execution. Bingo. Well, uh, I don't know. I'm half and half on that because the execution does not make for the best song, but it does reinforce the idea of the song. Eh. When he sings about lying and all the things he's lied about the voice is modulated up super duper high and it doesn't sound like ajr right it doesn't sound like them it kind of feeds into the idea of being someone else and then when they hit the chorus and they talk about i'm not proud of who i am and i'm i'm screwed you know they really get real with it they shift back to their normal voices and become themselves they let the walls come down yeah so it's i'm torn because yeah it doesn't i don't care (laughs) you don't care (laughs) it just doesn't sound very good but it works with the theme eh, there's no need for it the theme is fine on its own it's okay yeah it it is but i don't know i feel like i want to defend it now i feel like the amount it adds to the theme is not enough like like you're net you're you're not a net positive right it adds to the theme but detracts from the song but you still end up in the negative. You, you never it, The amount it detracts from the song is more than the amount it gives to the theme. Do you think you'd like the song better if it didn't have that? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it would be too indistinct if it didn't have that high vocal. No. It kind of would just fade into the background of this album for me. No, because you would still, you would just have one person sing each verse. You know, you'd have one person singing during the verse and then they'd all come together for the chorus. I think if they did that, it'd be more introspective. Like some of the other songs and less uh, cheesy. Yeah, fair enough. It is a little bit of a cheesy tactic. He starts listing off all these things 
that he lies about or fakes the truth about right from the first verse, you know. He talks about everything from relationships that don't exist to impress his friends to dogs to friends that have rock star dads. There are a lot of outrageous lies, but I love that thing they do in the second verse here. He tells us this lie about going to France and dancing in the rain. He tells this date about it, but then he says, listen, you can't meet my dad because he's not in on the, the story. And you fell in love with the me that went to France. And it really yep. is a super in-your-face way to present that there's two people here. It's a good, that's a great verse. And it would be so much better. It would pull at my heartstrings even more and make me feel even more somber if it wasn't so modulated up. Well, that's the trick. I'm just an ordinary-ish person. Yeah. Covered in blue paint. That's a weird sentence. And I don't think most ordinary-ish people are covered in blue paint. But the next song... <laughs> is Ordinary-ish People featuring yep. the Blue Man group. Hence the blue paint joke, in case right. you didn't get it. Well, I got it. I wasn't talking to you. Oh. <laughs> For the audience. Yeah, well, they're not here yet, so. <laughs> this song starts with a really interesting illustration of how you're never what anybody wants you to be. You know, to happy people, you're too sad. To sad people, you're too happy. You're too hippie for your work friends and too much of a sellout for your hippie friends. And you just can't find that middle ground anywhere you go. You know, you're unremarkable in either direction, so you're an ordinary-ish person. And so the chorus, then, is the speaker kind of bidding farewell to all the people that live that life in the middle, like him, because you gotta be somebody sometime. You know, ditch the expectations and the labels that people assign to you, and do your own thing. There's really no reason to temper yourself because you're too much of this or too much of that, or what other people say you ought to be, because that's what makes you ordinary-ish. What'd you think of, like, the marching band style intro for this? I liked it. I figured you would. I, I quite enjoy this song. First off, Blue Man Group. What a great group. Yeah. There's something just nostalgic about the Blue Man Group. Is there? I Frankly, I don't have the same nostalgic correlations in my brain. So I grew up, I was in band since fifth grade all the way through, like, most of college, right? Yeah. And, like, the two memories I have in band related to, like, seeing other bands perform that, like, we studied for some reason in band was the Blue Man Group and Stomp. I remember watching Stomp and watching Blue Man Group. I remember watching a lot of Stomp, way more than Blue Man Group. I like the ones where like they like use like the PVC pipe and stuff for like all their instruments. What a what a cool get though. What a neat feature. It's a great feature. Love it. Yeah. Just a couple of ordinary-ish people covered in blue paint. Yeah. I think this song is all right. It's fun enough. It's a song that I rarely ever focus on, you know? Ew. I enjoy it, but it rarely ever, you know, engages me in a meaningful way. Really? Some, yeah, sometimes. If I'm really in the mood to dig in, I can manage to find a, a catch, you know? I'll manage to find a place to dig in and listen. But usually, I just fly by this one. Really? I, I really, I think I identified with this one more than some of the other ones. I really liked the concept of this one. It's that idea of just never being good enough for anybody, right? You're No matter who you are or who you try to be, everybody's going to have something they don't like about you. Well, that's true. Some of these songs, like My Play and The Trick, punch you in the face with what they're trying to say even adventure is out there you can't miss it this song decides to not punch you in the face with what it's trying to say and you can miss it i disagree okay well you're an ordinary-ish person up next let's talk about humpty dumpty what's your take on humpty dumpty in general i uh, just quick question is this the egg version or the non-egg version that's what i was about to ask is because recent years you know have provided us with a controversy where i don't think humpty dumpty is necessarily an egg yeah. it's not mentioned in the rhyme 
in the nursery rhyme. I think Humpty Dumpty is just an ordinaryish person. Ordinaryish egg. This is a long song. It's wordy. Yeah, it is. It's repetitive. And it's not that good. You said it's not that good. Ooh, okay. Yeah, that's understandable. It's another one that outstays its welcome for me. Big time. It does. Partly because of how long it is. Which it really, I guess, isn't that long. It's three and a half minutes. It's shorter than ordinary people. And yeah, it's shorter than a lot of these songs, but it feels like it takes forever. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the length of the chorus. Yeah, well part of it's the length of the chorus. And by the time we get to the end of the song, I'm just I'm sick and tired of hearing Humpty Dumpty when Humpty Dumpty when Humpty Dumpty. Just like Alright, I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's a song about keeping your problems to yourself and refusing to indicate that you need help to people who would otherwise help you through it. And it's told in parallel with Humpty Dumpty who sat on the wall, had a great fall, really shattered himself up. But in this version of the story, he doesn't bother calling for the king's men to put him back together. He tries to smile through it and scream when no one's around so he doesn't inconvenience people. So yeah, that was going to be my question. Does he call the king's horses and king's men? Or do they just come? In Humpty Dumpty? You know what? Yeah, it never says he calls them. So like to me, it's like, are they accusing Humpty Dumpty of causing his own demise? Like when he fell rather than cry out for help? He smiled right through it and waited and was trying to wait till no one was around and so he didn't get the help he needed in time. Are they victim all the blaming? King's horses and all the king men came back <laughs> just, later. Or they found him later and was like, oh God. But then it was too late. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But that's definitely the case in this song. I think as somebody who frequently goes out of their way to avoid inconveniencing people, this song, while annoying, feels much more relatable than a lot of the other songs on this album. Really? Not a lot of them, but some. And then, yeah, we get this you know, cycle of guilt where if I cry out and I need your help, then you'll get sad and then I'll feel bad that I told you. Like, my burdens will inconvenience you and then I'll be even sadder. Yeah, I don't want to be the cause of the whole group dynamic being lowered. Yeah, and we touch briefly on fair-weather friendships, you know, calling depending on what your face is, and then talking about, aren't you excited that I'm giving you the best me? Once again, it's that performance. It's the trick, giving you the best him and... I think the perfect companion on this album to this song is the next song. They've really ordered these tracks well. They have. The World's Smallest Violin. This song is, I'm not going to tell people about my problems because my problems feel insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Boy, did this song bait me. It did? It started off with that, uh, first I played with the stereo mix, um, so it echoed around my headset. But it started out with that, I, 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 just kind of going around. Yeah. You know, my, 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 Grandpa fought in World War II. <laughs> I was like, whoa! <laughs> I was like, whoa! You thought it started <laughs> fast? You should see how it ends. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it, it ramps up. It continues to ramp, but I just was not expecting the way the song started was like okay this is gonna be another slower more introspective song and freaking shot out like a racehorse and it did ended like a bolt of lightning yeah <laughs> that's a good yeah great i love that not slower definitely equally introspective he starts off talking about how his grandpa fought in world war ii and then he says that his own ability to even finish school kind of makes him feel like he can't live up to expectations. And he has other relatives that are firefighters. He's just here talking to his therapist. And I guess that kind of makes you feel small in the world when you've got such ties to such significant people. In this song, the metaphor is playing the violin, where talking about your problems 
is playing your violin. Pretty classic metaphor. It is. It just kind of flipped around. Because usually people say that to you. Like, oh, let me play you the uh, the world's smallest violin. You know, yeah. like being like, suck it up, stop complaining. Right. And it's kind of him saying it to himself. Like, my problems, yeah. I need to suck it up and stop complaining because I know that my problems only deserve the world's smallest violin. What do you think about the rhyme in verse one? Violent and violin. Oh, I'm fine with it. I like that. I think that line just, his dad was a fireman who fought fires so violent. Like that, just like that, that line felt like it was written specifically so it would rhyme with violin. And it is. Like that's just a clunky line. It's like, and the thing you chose to write to rhyme with violin was just the word, basically the word violin. With a T. (laughs) With with a T. But yeah, I don't know. I just felt like they could have done a little better on that. And like the, his dad was a fireman line. Like, at least, like, my grandpa fought in World War II. He was such a noble dude. Like, while equally kind of silly, using, like, noble dude, it yeah. adds to the sentiment, right? It's, like, setting up, like, he was this awesome person. That he was, he was uh, admired or respected. Whereas for this one, it's just restating what a fireman does, but in a weird way. You're, you're right. <laughs> no, that's a great point. And then in the chorus, he starts begging to talk to his problems, to anyone who will listen, you know? He says, let me play my violin. I really need an audience. And he needs to find that person before he, quote, spews his tiny symphony. And that's where the tempo starts to pick up and pick up and pick up. And I love how frantic that need gets. We really feel that sense of urgency, like, I need to talk about this or I'm going to explode. Oh, yeah, I love it. This song has actually made the rounds on TikTok a lot lately. I've seen it around there a little bit. I really like what the pre-chorus does. Yeah, the kind of call and response thing. They have a lot of really fun vocal and instrumental melodies that they use throughout this album. And they're all unique, which I found fun. Like, they never got, like, sometimes they'll they'll be different melodies, right? But they'll sound similar, be in the same style, mm-hmm. a lot of bands. Um, this one, they're, like, all over the place, which I liked. But yeah, just something about that, uh, it gives you a sitting on the front porch Everybody's sitting on the front porch with their instruments, like, playing the song sort of vibe Yeah, for me. It was fun. I enjoyed it. It is a fun song. Up next, the penultimate track on the album, track number 12, Way Less Sad. This song was another of the album's biggest hits. It peaked at number 77 on the Billboard Hot 100. And basically, the title kind of says it all. I may not be happy yet, but I'm way less sad. We're making progress. Progress is being made. So we're moving from Oklahoma to Los Angeles now. We were never in Oklahoma. That's just you missing the name of the album. Oh. Yeah, Oklahoma Orchestra. It's not it. (laughs) This is one of the most fun songs on the album to me. I really enjoy Way Less Sad. Really? Yeah, this is almost a never skip. I think it's high energy. It's good. It kind of explodes at you. You're right. This would uh, this would either be bottom of my upper third or top of my middle third, depending on how I haven't done the math. What a confusing ranking system. Well, we, it's just what we've always done. We've always broken the, it out in the top, middle, and bottom tier. It's true, yeah. It's close. It's close. Okay, close is good. Conceptually? I guess it almost has to go in the middle because it's not my top four. And four would be about a third. That's fair. I think lyrically this song is pretty packed. There's so many good moments. You know how it's always sunny out and I want to stop hurting so I'm going to set the bar low. And maybe I won't be happy but I'll be less sad. I like that. Or just like saying that you're okay but you don't mean it. Just enjoy it while you've got it. I, I don't know. There's, it's a dense song. Living sucks, but it's sucking just a little now. Come on. What a line. Yeah, good. I guess my the thing that set it apart for me and, and like it make, kept it out of my top four was an intensity issue again. I felt what? the intensity didn't move enough. This is one of the most... Uh, um, well, no, think about it. No, no, 
no, no, no, no, no, no. Um, before you freak out, they hit this chorus with "Don't you love it? Don't you love it?" Yada yada yada, right? Yeah. And they end it with the "But I'm way less sad" into the "Way less sad" post-chorus, and then they strip back a bunch of the instrumentals and everything for verse two to get back to its roots. Back but, to the piano. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but like. I didn't feel the intensity lower at all. Like, I felt like we were at the same intensity from the chorus into the verse to back into the pre-chorus. Like, it just, even though the instrumentals and the vocals were changing and more dynamic, the intensity level of them stayed flat. I've never felt that way. I always thought the intensity fell appropriately right there. No, uh, like, I'm listening to it right now just to double check that I'm not misremembering what song I'm on. I'm way less sad. Yeah, yeah. Like, it falls on the word sad and then immediately swings back up into I wake up like it doesn't ever it, it goes down for half a beat <laughs> and then right back up it, it, you can hear the uh, the I think the guitar part or something like s- swoop down and back up kind of stays where it's at the only difference is the AAAAs are gone but they come back pretty quickly too yeah they do <laughs> so I just I just wanted more movement I guess because yeah you're right the chorus is great and everything and the AAAs really keep it pumping I just wanted a little more I wanted the, the high and the low to be a little more offset from one another. Maybe it was kind of like a sine wave that stayed really close to the x-axis. You know, it didn't have very high peaks. Oh, very technical, yeah. And finally, we close out the album with the one song that apparently my shuffle loves to play all the time. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. It's like the only song from this album that comes on shuffle, even though most of the album is on my playlist. Christmas in June. Listen, Shuffle just loves the holiday spirit. It must. This song, Christmas in June, is about being on the road, touring, and missing all these big moments and life events because of it. So he asks his partner to put things on hold so he can be around for them. And he makes promises that he can't necessarily always keep. I like it. It's another one that just has a really fun instrumental beat to it. Yeah, it feels like a Christmas song. It does. Even though, yet again, I, I would contest that it's really not a Christmas song. It just mentions that we might have to push Christmas back a couple months because I'll be away. It sounds like a Christmas song. It talks about Christmas. Pretty much a Christmas song. Fair enough. It's, it's not worth it to argue it. That chorus is so bouncy. Just such a little, it just pops up and down, and I like that. Yeah, the whole song does that. Well, that's true. But I say the chorus is like pretty much the same. <laughs> New Year's Eve, I, da, 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 da. it's like the same rhythm, basically. Eh. <laughs> it's a little different. They mix it up smidge. A smidge is sometimes all you need. Yeah, really what they change is the instrumentals. The instrumentals get bigger. They layer more stuff in, and then they strip it back away. But the vocal beat is the same. What holiday on this list is the worst one to miss? Uh, Which holiday? Which holiday? Which holiday do you think is the worst one to miss or to have to push to June? I got to check through the... Oh, oh, just in general. You're, you're not like... Yeah, just in general. Um, The worst one to push to June. Christmas is a pretty big one Um, because, you know, you get Christmas in July. So then you get like your Christmases, they purposely split them six months apart. So you get maximum time between them. And now you've just put them a month apart. I don't know. It's a pretty bad one. I think you're overestimating the importance of Christmas in July celebration. The over, they're not that prominent. They're not the biggest holiday. No, probably not. I I think New Year's is a bad one to push to June because what <laughs> would we even do? <laughs> I think Thanksgiving would suck in June. Oh, it'd just be so hot. You'd be, it'd be so hot you wouldn't want to eat any of the food you normally eat at Thanksgiving. Fair enough. I think this is a maybe the perfect song to close this album. It just has that kind of finality to it, and again, it's very theatrical in its own kind of way. 
I like how it ends. With the darling, if we're ever going to have a kid, don't want to miss it, can we just have him in June? Yeah, it takes things a, a heck of a lot deeper and on a much more personal level, just in that last little waning moment. Yeah. I'm all for it. Can we final spin in June? Oh, uh, yeah. See you guys next June where we'll tell you our scores on this album. What if we did? Oh, that'd be awful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I won't do that. I will celebrate my scores right now. This is, an, this is an interesting album. I think a lot of my scores for this album are influenced by what I think of other AJR albums. I think AJR is still a band that has plenty of room to grow. I think they've got limitless potential, but also I think they're kind of where they are now. You know what I mean? As for music, this album musically is, is a lot of fun in a lot of places. You could just jam. Some of the songs, Ordinaryish People doesn't necessarily scratch the itch musically. Meh. The Trick, eh. So, music, I'm giving an 84. As for lyrics, there's some hits and there's some misses. I think their metaphor storytelling on a small scale works in a lot of spots, and in a lot of spots, for me, it doesn't. Especially the socks. I, I have a hard time getting past the socks on Adventures Out There. Or lying about having a, a dog that does all these tricks in the trick. Uh, Humpty Dumpty, lyrically, it's a lot of lyrics that don't do a lot of stuff. I'm giving this album a 78 for lyrics, which is maybe a little harsh. Instruments and production, it's tricky because they do so many cool things with instruments and production. It's showy, it's flashy, but I don't know. I, I, I just, there's some spots that you can't overlook, like the modulated voice on the trick. I don't know. Instruments and production, they're fun and they're flashy, but I don't know if they're necessarily good enough to score above an 82. And the overall vibe of this album it's light. It's a light-sounding album with such heavy themes, you know? I don't know if they always blend the most smooth. I think there are some hitches and some snags in there. I like it the whole way through, and I'm a fan of AJR. I'm going to keep coming back and listening to more music, but I think the vibe of this particular album is right around an 83. Okay. That puts the overall score at an 82.8 and places it at number 313 on the ranking spreadsheet. It feels a little harsh. I like this album personally at a level that is higher than that score, but that's where it is. How about you? For me, yeah, I quite liked this album. AJR was not a band I was really familiar with. Couldn't have told you anything about them, their style, named a song, nothing. And I was pleasantly surprised. I liked it. And now you'll never not be familiar with them again. Until I forget all about this. Well, that could be. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, no, I liked it. My top three in album or three o'clock things is my honorable mention. Okay. Next up, my play. Nice. After that... Bang. Bang, bang, bang. Here we go. The Soda Stream version or the regular version? Uh, the regular. And finally, World's Smallest Violin. That one made the top threes. Yeah. Over way less sad. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's what I was saying, really, when you were saying way less sad was like the best one for you. It's up there. It's up there on Spotify, too. It's got the third most plus. I feel like I said everything I had to say about it already back in the songs. Probably. So I'll just hit it with a score. Slap that score on it. Hit it with that juicy score. This one is getting da, 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 da. eight ordinary blue painted men out of ten. <laughs> oh no! Are they ordinary <laughs> or are they ordinary-ish? Uh, they're pretty-ish. Eight pretty-ish blue men. Eight's a good score for you. I was not sure. I was maybe thinking you'd maybe like it well enough to be a nine. I think AJR as a band has put out some stuff that's got nine potential for you. But like I said. 
I don't think OK Orchestra is that. So eight does not surprise me. This one's gonna. This one's pretty easy for me to place. It's gonna slot in right under Kings of Leon walls. Well, that's pretty low in your eights. Why there? I had the same kind of feeling about this album as I did Kings of Leon's walls. Mm-hmm. It made me feel the same way in terms of likability. That's interesting because they are so vastly different. Yeah, I know, but, but uh, they're similar enough in certain ways. In certain ways, it actually makes sense to me. Yeah, I I came up with a score. I was like, this one deserves an eight, and then I w- came here and I looked at my eights to see where it belonged, and I saw Kings of Leon's walls. I was like, yes, it belongs there with that, but I think I liked walls better. Surprising to me that it's below things like Avenge Sevenfold and and shoots too narrow by the shins, but understandable. Yeah, but but it's one of those things that's really hard to compare them, right? It's really hard to compare. I like them for completely different reasons. Not to mention, I mean, we've done them all like 20 episodes apart now. Yeah. Kings of Leon was zero. Avenged Sevenfold was 28. Shoots Too Narrow was 41. I feel like a lot of them within their number score, depending on my mood for the day and the arguments presented to me, could shift around Well, mood a lot. for a day, that's fragile by yes. <laughs> but yeah, eight. Okay, I like it. And what's your playlist song? Yeah, I think to no surprise, I'm so I'm gonna do to you what you've done to me the last couple. I'm gonna put the pressure on you, okay? Which may not even be that much pressure. It's probably not. And take well, let's. I really want World's Smallest Violin and Bang. Okay. You really want Bang and Way Less Sad, so I think Bang's locked in. Is it locked in for you? That's your only way to lock it in. No, no. I'll I'll play this game of chicken. I'll take World's Smallest Violin. Okay. You take World's Smallest Violin. And we'll go consecutive, and I'll take way less sad. Okay. I don't think Bang fits on the playlist as well anyway. I give up. I, I'm done with the game of chicken. I want Bang. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> you win. <laughs> okay, Bang and way less sad it is. What a, what a mess. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Spin It. Tune in next week for another exciting album from a very different genre and time period, as usual. If you're interested in keeping up with us, you can follow us on social media at SpinItPod on Twitter, at SpinItPod Official on Instagram, and www.spinitpod on the web. Subscribe on YouTube or Twitch to watch all of our content that's outside of the podcast. Check out our store. You don't have to do that, but it exists. It exists. And in honor of fall, if you haven't seen it on our socials, we did just launch a very exciting new line of mixtaper merchandise. Hey! Hello. It's kind of reminiscent of his second job, but legally distinct. Legally distinct. It's reminiscent of, but legally distinct from the coffee shop that he works at. Anyway, thanks for sticking around. And if you didn't, you didn't hear that thank you anyway, so it's all right. Have a fantastic week. And until next week, keep spinning. What's a better shape, square or circle? You didn't say keep spinning. Oh, keep spinning. (laughs) Now answer the question. What are you talking about, better shapes? Yeah, what's better Square or circle? I feel like the, the most common answer is to say a circle is a more perfect shape. Why? It's a great question. Well, it's because of uniformity. You know, a uh, square... Is a square not uniform? No. All sides are the same length? All the angles are the same? But not all points along a square are equidistant from its center. That shut him up quick. <laughs> That's it. Keep uh, spinning. Uh, <laughs> yeah, keep spinning. Uh, answer. Plus, you can't really spin a square. Uh.